the reason why you can track exactly what happened to that piece of information as it goes through blockchain is the characteristic of being able to actually get into blockchain and make a change, your fingerprint, essentially, your DNA, Which is the your code. blockchain code, is logged as the thing that the person that made the change. Whereas when you go in and you change something just in a normal database, it's almost impossible to tra trace back what specific individual made that transaction. And that's what makes blockchain very powerful when you are sharing information and you talk about, you, you will hear fancy words like the pedigree of the information. Well, the pedigree means what's the entire history and who's hit what when. And, and that, that is very unique to, to how blockchain is, is designed. This is Peter Purcell. And Bill Imany. So this is a continuing series of Jargon podcast um, conversations that we're having. And today we'd like to cover a little bit more around blockchain. Blockchain's become quite the hype these days, hasn't it? Oh, it has. I mean, in today's newspaper, you know, there's a huge article about a large oil and gas company, which I can't say is BP, working with a large uh, uh, consulting firm, which I can't say is IBM, developing a blockchain strategy. And actually, I'm scratching my head a little bit. Well, and then a company changed its name to Riot Blockchain, and their stock doubled overnight. Well, yeah, and just remember, Long Island Ice Tea changed their name. You know, they went out and bought, what, 1,000 Bitcoin machine, mining machines, changed their name to Long Island Bitcoin, and uh, their stock went up like 100, 150%. And I also heard a rumor, that's probably not true, that Blockbuster isn't going to come back as Blockchain Buster. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's probably not true, but here's, there's a lot of hype around blockchain, and it seems like everybody's talking about it, but... I don't know if people are actually doing stuff with it or they're just talking about it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you were to go back and look at our book, uh, Jargon, and then also if you were to read a series of articles that we have on our website, we do try to demystify blockchain a little bit. Yeah, and really, here's the interesting thing about blockchain is technology's always been evolving and changing. And so if you step way back into the 70s, and all, came along in the 80s, there was this t new technology called client-server that was going to replace the old mainframes, right? Oh, absolutely. And then we moved to centralized computing. So we're back to kind of centralized mainframe-type computing, and now we're going to distributed computing supposedly with blockchain, right? That is, that is correct. But, but I will make a slight correction. Everybody calls it computing, but just remember... Blockchain is no more than a data structure. And for those of you that are not technically inclined, it's like a database. All it is is a data store. It's just a place to store and share information. It doesn't have logic. Well, that's true. And it's also, maybe we should step back and talk about what is blockchain, because I think the big question and the hype is, and investors might be having is, well, you know, you think about when client-server technology first came out, people weren't 
putting that in their name of their company or talking about it to drive their stock price up. Yet we have some technology out there that nobody really knows what it is that is driving some big hype out there in the market. Right. Well, I think that the hype from blockchain really is coming from, you know, things like Bitcoin, the whole cryptocurrency thing, because, you know, the you know, you you hear people, you know, buying a dollar's worth of uh, Bitcoin 10 years ago and now they're, you know, multi bazillionaires and blockchain is associated with that. And here's why. So for you to use cryptocurrency, you still need applications. You need applications to access your balance to trade your monies all blockchain is is the backbone just the information backbone that allows you to uh, share data and move data between the different cryptocurrency applications well and here's the interesting thing when when uh, the cryptocurrencies first came out the concept was there's a lot of transaction costs associated with our our government-backed currencies with large banks and i think a lot of the founders were trying to find a way to maybe allow people to trade more freely where we don't have to go through a, let's say, a, a, a clearinghouse, a centralized clearinghouse where they charge a percentage off the top. But here's the interesting thing. Um, I went out and bought some Bitcoin, and then I decided I'm going to go buy something with Bitcoin. And there's still transaction fees associated with it. And there's even parity between buying and selling it through the exchanges. So you still have to go through some sort of exchange to be able to buy it. So it's not totally centralized. But maybe we should just back up for one second and just define what is blockchain for those people out there who are probably going, well, what is it? So again, blockchain is a, a data structure that allows you to share information. So if you're in finance and you understand the banking system, you've heard of the ACH, the you know American Clearinghouse. That's what blockchain is, okay? Um, I'm sorry, automated clearinghouse as you shake your head. Um, if you've ever heard of EDI, that's really what blockchain is. Blockchain is, is a much more secure avenue to allow you to share information across a variety of, of people. Right. And the key to blockchain is what they've done is they've created what they've called distributed ledgers. And essentially all they are are these secure ledgers that everyone who's a member of that blockchain has that secret code to go in and access the database and the data structure that Peter's talking about here. So if you think about it, I've got my own set of, I'll call it uh, crypto um, digits that kryptonite uh, yeah kryptonite yeah so, and 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 those digits I don't even see them or know what they are and those translate over to other people using it so imagine if um, I was I was in a big room full of people and we all had our uh, notepads down and I said I was going to trade some money with Peter I would announce it but it would go through a secret set of codes that people would have to it would have to be translated and through the other ledger so if I gave the wrong code the transaction. transaction wouldn't happen. So so the interesting thing about blockchain, it's a distributed technology, and what it's done and the way it operates is it, um, in today's world, it it's much more difficult to hack and get into. So it's secure, right? Right. That is exactly right. I mean, if you think about it for a second, um, the Swift, uh, Swift banking system, which is a, a banking system that transfers monies a, around the globe, was hacked in the uh, Far East. Um, you know, we're talking Bangladesh and places like that. And uh, Russian hackers, they think, or North Korean hackers, they're not sure which, stole tens of millions of dollars of these transactions floating around. 
had they used blockchain instead of the you know weaker uh, security codes that come with Swift, it wouldn't have happened because a blockchain code is very difficult to break. Right. So think about when companies start talking about using blockchain and why they're using it and where they're using it. It's the real question is what problems are they trying to solve? And so clearly um, in the cryptocurrency world, they were trying to solve the problem of free trade. And a lot of it was, um, a, I'll call it under uh, dark, uh, dark web or uh, shady or illegal type transactions where you can't um, trace a transaction through. But on the positive side, there is some opportunity for blockchain currency to uh, to be applied in this world. Or, or the blockchain uh, concept, uh, yeah. not, not necessarily block, blockchain currency. I, look, the way we see it, and, and Bill, where I've seen it used fairly effectively is in environments where you have more than two people that need to share information across a distributed area. Sounds like a bunch of consultants, but let me just give you an example. Let's say you are a manufacturer of compressors, okay? And you use the same engine and the same compressors in your packages, and you sell them all over the world, all right? So you have multiple customers. Guess what? You have to update your your maintenance procedures on a regular basis. As you learn about failures in the field, you may want to share information with all your customers, right? So, but you don't necessarily want your competitors to get a hold of that information. You can use blockchain as your database, okay, and share that information. And the beauty of blockchain, the way the ledgers are databases, as, as you refer to them as ledgers, the way the databases work are if I put information in one place, the blockchain will automatically percolate it across everywhere. So anybody that, that has the key to get into that database or that ledger can see that information real time. Right. So I see it as an opportunity. So last time I closed on a house, um, it, it signatures had to go and, and essentially I look at the title of the house and there's all different people that have to sign off on it. I got attorneys, I've got the buyers, the sellers, I've got title companies. And if you think about that one document, and I just remember at the end of it all, I look at all the signatures that go through that one document. I think there's a tremendous opportunity in that area arena to allow parties to go in with their with their unique ID and code. So for so for example, when the title search is done, the title company clicks on something to approve the document. The buyer does, the seller does, the, the attorneys do, the realtors do, and they're all kind of flowing through. Instead of waiting two or three weeks, um, you can have almost an instantaneous close on a uh, real estate transaction. That might be another um, area. Oh, where it absolutely! Be and uh, a good friend of mine works for a national. Uh, mortgage processing company, they're investigating the use of blockchain for that. They already have a system that they can take all the way out to the realtor, okay? But the concern that they have is, you know, obviously security, right? Because they host the system. Uh, they have to put a lot of security around the system. And basically, they become liable if the system is hacked. So by using blockchain, they, they can eliminate that concern. Now, the applications, here, here's where, j- just to take it one step further, here's where people forget. 
Blockchain is not an application. Blockchain is not, blockchain cannot be an ERP or is not a substitute for something like an enterprise resource plan. And it really system. doesn't do anything new from no, a functionality perspective because you just said your friend at the mortgage company, they already have a system that can do this. Right. But what the blockchain is doing, it does it in such a way that it's a lot more secure. So if, if what you're getting at here is if I'm, if I'm mailing a piece of paper to somebody, mm -hmm. someone could grab it and intercept it along the it, way. Exactly. But with blockchain, they can't. So here's the thing, though. They have all these applications that they've built to allow them to, you know, workflows and all of that, even within their offices, just to make sure that they stay compliant. So all those applications stay. What's going to happen is they're going to have to build the equivalent of a little bit of middleware. Boy, there's a word you haven't heard in a while to connect to blockchain, and they're going to create, and we can talk about public and private blockchain later, but they're going to connect to a blockchain environment, okay, so that their applications stay, but the data now is stored in a blockchain environment, not just in a database environment. Right, right. And I think, so, so we're getting, and there's certain good applications for it, but it's not going to be for everyone and everywhere. And really what, what you're getting at here is there's multiple parties involved, and typically where blockchain can help facilitate when there's a lot of parties involved in a single transaction that flows through. The other, the other place where I've heard um, it being applicable is when you think about um, food production. And for example, if you're a person uh, producer of a, uh, let's say, a wheat producer, and there's a certain um, type of wheat that um, either becomes contaminated, they can actually use blockchain to trace it all the way back to what actual field it came from, what mill it went through, and the like, and using that block where people are, are putting in their, I'll call it their fingerprint in it along the way so they can trace things. Today, they can do it, right? But they have to go across multiple systems to get there. So they have to go into the mill system, then they have to go trace it back into the um, the, the, the uh, farmer all the way back to the field. Well, with a blockchain, what it's doing is a kind of a middleware that's connecting all these different systems together and allowing people to check in and check out securely. Because if you think about it today, there's a lot of applications that people can go into, multiple parties can go into. Yeah, but, but you not, don't know who they are. Right, and right. they're not as secure, too. Egg, and that, so it's a secure, it's really a security right. thing. It's a security thing, but it's also kind of a way to quickly enable a, a process and multiple parties doing something all at once, too. It, it, exactly. And and I, I don't mean to, to, to reel this back just a hair, but you, you make a very, very good point. And, and for those of you who are listening, the reason why you can track exactly what happened to that piece of information as it goes through blockchain is the characteristic of being able to actually get into blockchain and make a change your fingerprint essentially your dna which is the your code. blockchain code is logged as the thing that the person that made the change whereas when you go in and you change something just in a normal database it's almost impossible to tra trace back what specific individual made that transaction. And that's what makes blockchain very powerful when you are sharing information and you talk about, you, you will hear fancy words like the pedigree of the information. Well, the pedigree means what's the entire history and who's hit what when. And, and that, that is very unique to, to how blockchain is, is designed. Right. And so I think th there's a lot of myths going out there about blockchain, too, and how 
It's going to it's going to make financial transactions free. It's going to eliminate Uber. It's going to do all these crazy things. And I I don't know what your view on it, but some of these things I roll my eyes up a little bit and think, okay, it's going to transform and replace Uber. And I almost equate it to the whole concept of flying in self-driving cars and all that kind of stuff where people get all hyped up about something. But frankly, if you think about it, you still need some sort of, even though it's distributed technology, there still needs to be some sort of centralized mechanism for monitoring and managing that, that application, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you, you, you say blockchain replacing Uber, and I'm, I'm sitting here scratching my head. How the heck would that happen? Because uh, blockchain is not a tac- tactile thing that um, a car is something you can touch. A car is something you can get into well, and I you think- have a driver. Now, what it may do is Uber has a matchmaking platform, okay, that's not built on blockchain today. It's built on your normal databases and the like. And over time, uh, Uber may move to blockchain because uh, people's information is, you know, Needs to be secured. Yep. Yeah, it needs to be secured. So, but that doesn't replace. Well, they Uber. made it. Some of these the, the uh, people out there are saying, well, you know, it's going to be this free type uh, wild west where uh, I can I don't need an Uber. If I need a car, I go into this ethereal type um, application and I put in my stuff in this ledger, and a car shows up. Yeah, but stuff. you still need applications. You still need I mean, somebody to manage yeah, it, right? It, it, exactly. Data. Look, go back to databases or information stores. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to store information securely, but you still have to do something with it, which means you're going to have to write an application to take that piece of information, apply some logic to it, whether it's AI, you know, IBM's Watson or whatever, but apply some logic to that to then notify somebody, okay, everything that I'm talking about is code, is application. That has and somebody's to got written. to manage that. No, right. No. And so somebody's got to pay to develop it. Somebody's got to pay to host it and run it. Even in the cloud, you still have hardware. The cloud is not a cloud. And and so none of that is ever going to be free. Right. And, and now there's some disadvantages to blockchain, right? And I think what people have learned through the whole cryptocurrency, um, uh, call it... Um, I hate to call it an experiment, but it kind of still is. It's still in experimental phases of being used. But um, that that wallet that was created, that's your unique ID, sits on a piece of hardware or sits on a USB drive. And early on when they issued 23 million um, Bitcoins out there, people had them on this wallet. And But then um, they forgot about it, and then their computer crashed and that wallet, that unique wallet, was sitting there on their hard drive, and their computer crashed, and they can't access it anymore, or they 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 uh, yeah. threw away the computer, yep. and it's gone. So I've heard three million three million um, uh, bitcoins are sitting out there in unclaimed that nobody can ever claim. Uh, yeah, actually, I hate to say, I think that number is a little low. There there is just one instance alone where there's three million bitcoin sitting out there. But I think uh, I never heard more of that, that one. Yeah, well, you know. No, no, I, you mean you mean three million dollars. I'm talking about actually three, three million. Oh, Bitcoin. three million Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You're right, talking right. about millions of dollars. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. about, there you I'm go. Talking about okay. Bitcoin currency. Good, good recovery Peter, for me. Still, Thank you. You still have to. Uh, I'm, you haven't started thinking in terms of bitcoins yet. No, you're still I haven't. Thinking in terms of dollars. That's What's the matter right. with you? I struggled with euros as it was. So well, Bitcoin but, is just. But here's here's the interesting thing, though. You think about the euro currency platform, which has no real basis or anything. 
Um, that's not any worse or better than the uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other um, yeah, well, out there. The, yeah, or, except, or for, except for there is a governmental body that sets the value of, of the euro vis-a-vis the uh, currencies or the original currencies of the countries that joined the EU. So, Is that good or bad? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I don't think this is a political discussion. So, Well, no, but it's I, economic, but, though. But and, it is economic. I mean, and I think in some cases it's good because then you get you— uh, speculation can sometimes be a bad thing because with every high there's a low. Um, but, uh, you know, and in some cases, I think regulation like that is not good because you will artificially deflate the value of what you have. Uh, you well, could even artificially inflate as a case with the Chinese one. Well, so, you can. And, and you probably do that with Bitcoin, too. And there's a- absolutely no accountability behind the scenes. And I guess just like someone could uh, issue more euros out there and create artificial inflation, so could uh, someone do that with, with um, a cryptocurrency. And they wouldn't have to do it through a single cryptocurrency, someone could invent another cryptocurrency, thereby deflating other cryptocurrencies, right? Right. right. And, and we're seeing that. We're seeing that today. And, you know, even Venezuela is trying to get into to the, uh, to the mix. But back, back to blockchain. Um, so I, I guess my question to you, Bill, is, is this article today that, that just came out, you know, BP and IBM, you know, IBM doing a large uh, blockchain strategy for BP. You know, I'm trying to figure out what what would come out of that. I mean, maybe maybe in the energy trading space, maybe in their procurement space, um, you well, know, I, maybe well logs and maybe land records. But I'm having a real hard time understanding why they would replace the secure environment that they have today with blockchain because it's going to cost a lot of money. To, to, to move into a blockchain environment. Well, there's two sides to this coin, right? You just threw a whole bunch of stuff out there. Maybe yeah. we split it down into two sides because you think about the energy industry today and you think about the energy market today and how oil and gas production companies actually market to the ultimate buyers uh, of, of their uh, petroleum oil and gas products. So there's all these transactions that occur along the way where um, I've got a load of crude that gets traded amongst different partners, and there's a lot of data crossing different people. That's that energy trading side. Then there's the other side, which is the um, supply chain side of moving materials around the world and allocating those. Maybe we should kind of talk about that in two different um, contexts okay, here. Yeah. Maybe just start with the energy sure. trading side. So on the energy trading side, I mean, I can I can see definitely where setting up a blockchain environment or any or, environment, right? Or, or any environment, but but a blockchain uh, to connect your energy trading partners, um, everything from trading through distribution. The thing that has me scratch my head a little bit is all those applications. You know, work today. They're already out there. They're already out there. They work today, um, and so if I were to quote unquote modernize and move into a blockchain environment. All those applications are going to either have to be heavily modified or rewritten. And is there value? When I look at the security that blockchain brings to those transactions vis-a-vis the cost of rewriting the applications, am I going to get value out of that? Well, I think, though, there's a kind of a middle piece. And you've used this word middleware earlier, Uh a middle ground, because what you have today is you've got all these fragmented uh, people with marketing systems and way they're trading. So um, a particular... 
um, truckload of crude could change hands, theoretically change hands 20 times along the way, but nobody's actually taking physical possession of those of, of that crude. Now, the, the, if you think about it, I think what my, my understanding of what BP and Shell are doing through this is, is creating, I'll call it a consortium of companies where they all kind of getting together. Now, first of all, the first question is, is the government going to allow this to happen? Because um, th- there might be some, uh, I'll call it uh, fair trade type uh, things that might come up along the way. But historically, the uh, marketing trading applications are r- run by third parties, and they're, they're, I think their hope is is that having this consortium endorsed by two large major energy companies that they'll be endorsed that'll they'll gain acceptance more quickly. Now, that, but that's really a middleware. What that's doing, it's connecting all these distributed ones into one common platform where they have that footprint. But you bring up a good point: is how that how are they going to tie all that stuff together? Yeah, and and I wish I could say I had an answer, but but. I, you know, I'm, I'm scratching my head. You know, in, in the short term, what they can do is set up a blockchain environment, leave their applications alone, and maybe write, you know, write something that allows the applications to connect to the blockchain environment, almost like the way that, you know, you create an EDI transaction and you transmit across EDI and you receive, you know, acknowledgments and, and you, can, you can do that kind of thing. But, but it, again, I, I'm what where I'm I'm trying to get my brain around is you know, that's still going to cost a lot of money, and I guess unless if they're worried that somebody's going to hack these transactions and do something with the information, um, then I can understand that. But you know if 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 their environment isn't secure already today, that's a problem. Uh, that's a problem. So. Uh, look, it, it sounds good. They'll probably do it, right? Because um, CIOs need to strengthen their resumes. And if you're not doing blockchain, you're, you're not doing anything. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and it sounds good for the company. And you're in the cool kids club. And, you're doing blockchain. Right. You're in the cool kids club. Now, you know, in supply chain, you know, I can see already there's some blockchain, you know, uh, environments out there already that you can tie into that, that might be able to, you know, to streamline supply chain. But that's on a much larger scale, though, Peter. I mean, if you think about it, because I think about in the, going, and I'm going back to energy, but I think uh, I have some questions for you on that, um, on the supply chain side. But looking at energy unto itself and oil and gas, oil field services and warehouses and the way things work today, it would be a tremendous undertaking for them to even get you know, what do I have sitting in a warehouse in the middle of um, uh, a uh, oil and gas field somewhere and making sure I have that data even right so I can even do something with blockchain? That is, that is correct. Now, here's the difference, though. In energy trading, everybody is pretty much integrated as it is. I mean, today they, they've, they've done a pretty good job of integrating. In supply chain, as hard as much as they've tried over the last 10 or 15 years, the integration isn't there. So maybe blockchain is an opportunity to actually try to make it happen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm real skeptical on that one, just given the amount of data and the amount of information that needs to transpire there. Now, if there's a, a I'll call it a mature logistics-type company or operations, I can see them using it where they're trying to um, manage where the flow of goods if I'm a logistics provider. But if I'm on the side of a buyer or a warehouse, I'm just on the end of the chain, mm-hmm. 
I don't see how they're going to, without I, going through a huge amount of effort. Oh, I didn't say it wouldn't take a huge amount of effort. I think it, people have already spent, you know, millions, if not billions, you know, trying to integrate their supply chain. And, and I guess what I'm saying is, is that with blockchain, they may finally have a tool that might allow them to get there. Yeah, I'm skeptical. I think uh, you say billions. I think it's going to be another. I think the effort, and I'm not talking about the effort of the technology itself. The technology is easy. It's the, all the data and information, getting that all cleaned up, squared away right, and getting the process yeah. right inside a company. And you know what? The first thing, if a company's even thinking about blockchain around their supply chain, very first thing they need to do is go to all their warehouses and put some sort of something on their items so they can start tracking them right. Because I guarantee you this, if you walked into any large corporation, you said, okay, give me a list of your items in warehouse X, and you went out there and looked. Oh, it'd be off. It wouldn't it, be the same. Yeah, it, it'd so, be off. No, I, yeah, I, I understand that. I guess, you know, look, you can always shoot for nirvana, right? You may never but they get can't, there. But they can't even get it right with, with uh, existing technology. Blockchain's right. going to make it even worse. Yeah, it could could but you know the ibm which which brings up the ibm Maersk, you know agreement where you know that, that now, one's interesting though. that one is interesting and uh, but part of the reason why that's so interesting is uh, Maersk actually does a fantastic job of keeping track and they have to per container what's inside every container so they have spent the money and they have the processes in place already with their existing technology to track and so by leveraging blockchain at that point makes a lot of sense. Well, give me an example of what, what you mean. Because I believe you that the logistics companies like Merce, they that's what they do for a living. That's They are a supply chain company. Okay, right. but give, give me an example of how blockchain would apply to somebody like Merce. Sure. So um, without getting into great detail, you know, Maersk, you know, the shipping containers that you see on the back of trucks, right? Maersk moves millions and millions and millions of those a year. Inside each shipping container, they get products either from China or you just name it, you know, where, wherever the source is. And they have to track that material within the uh, container, track the container from source all the way to docks. And what's inside all, the container. And what's inside the container and where inside the container because regulatory requirements in places like South Korea or Japan, they, they, and they're tested on this. They'll break open containers and they will look at the bill of lading. And the bill of lading and what's inside the container, lo- not just what's inside the container, but where it's located in the container have to match up. So they're already there, right? They're already doing that. They're already doing that. But being able to track that, that particular, let's say it's a TV, it's inside container one, two, three, and it's in location X, all the way from the factory to the store that's going to sell it. Maersk has the ability to track all of that. Right. They do that today. They do that today. And what they're doing now is instead of using all these, they have, and to be able to do that, they have a series of distributed systems out there because they have systems, you know, at the manufacturing plant, then they have systems at the dock, then they have systems on their ship. Then again, they have, you know, and then they have loading systems and then systems on the ship, unloading systems, systems at the receiving dock. You know, systems that track all the way on Lots the truck. Lots of systems. Lots of systems. You see what I'm saying? Now what they can do is take all, each of those systems sits on top of the database that is updated as this these items move, move through. Move, yeah, now yeah. they can put them in one blockchain, 
and they can track based on based on each movement they can track based on each individual ID they can track where this item is at any point in time okay and it's very secure and it has to be secure okay but what is that okay so I can track it there's got to be more more to it than that. Well, let's say I'm in the middle of the ocean. Maersk, Maersk companies, manufacturers will start to ship stuff to the United States before it's sold. Okay. Because they will, based on based on um, the Chinese company TV, Samsung. Samsung will do a run of seventy-five inch, which I know are now small, seventy-five inch TVs, and they've over manufactured. They're going to go ahead and put it on a Maersk ship. And they're going to ship it to the United States, okay? Halfway across the ocean, Walmart says, yep, you know what? We're selling them. We want to buy them. Well, here's a problem. All those TVs are at the bottom of the stack. Oh, so they're they're, they're they're underneath. Four layers down. Right, they're four layers down, and they're not due to get out until dock number two, not dock number one. Well, Maersk will know, hey, I've got the equivalent 75-inch TVs in another container up high, which isn't supposed to go out until the second. They can do that swap, and it's invisible to the customers. Okay, so they're using blockchain. They theoretically using can use blockchain technology to essentially move the items between the two from a distributed ledger perspective without having to go into a whole bunch of systems and move it, things around. It's it becomes an immediate type. It's an immediate thing. Now there is an application that sits across the top of, of the course. blockchain environment. Yeah. And they go and they do the swap. And here's what's even better. They're working with IBM to use Watson AI to help make these Artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence. So by using blockchain too, they can look ahead and the guys at the docks can know exactly what's the most efficient way to unload a ship. Because it may not be intuitive to you to, you look at this big ship that's got all these containers. Remember, these cranes are high enough to be above the containers. They don't just start from the outside of the ship and work their way in. They may be able to go in the middle and pluck a container out of the middle of that mess and leave everything else alone. And by using blockchain so that they know exactly what they have, where it is, and what's available, they can make things more efficient. Well, I, I got to say, there's. It looks like there's a lot of opportunities out there for for blockchain, and it's more than just changing your name to have blockchain in your name. And I know we were joking about that earlier, but there's some but yes. there's some opportunities. And I'm wondering if IBM is going to change their name to International Blockchain Management. Oh, uh, that would be that'd be really I mean, that'd be that'd be because, funny. Because I mean, they but they, they could they've struggled but, a little bit, and right. this looks like they're this is kind of a redeeming factor for them and some of their customers. You know, if if they did that, that'd be one one company name change that that actually deserved it. I, I think you know, for for the listeners, you know, what we're trying to say is blockchain is good. Blockchain is powerful, but it is not a panacea, and it is not. It should not just be universally applied to everything. You need to be a little cautious. But 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 if I, the takeaways though, if you're a company who's sitting there going, looking at it and thinking about it, it's areas where you have a lot of friction. Okay, mm-hmm. where there's data security issues, exactly. and there's a lot of people that touch one particular item, be it a document, be it a TV, or whatever it might be, where there's a lot of parties involved in that. And I think those are the keys and where the opportunities are. If you try doing it somewhere else, it may be unnatural and a waste of time. So there's some opportunities there, right, Peter? Exactly, exactly. Okay. Well, great. Well, I think um, we're concluding this podcast. Thank you for listening. And this podcast was brought to you by 
Evan, Evan, your IT guy. Evan, your IT guy. It is a platform for small and medium-sized businesses to help uh, revolutionize the way IT support is provided. It provides immediate IT support for any company looking for a network of IT professionals to solve any computer problem. And it will be blockchain-enabled in 2019. 